Hello and you are very welcome to Danadara Doability. This is episode 45. I'm Dara McNicholas. And I'm Dan Airy. Dan, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Um, but I have to say we're very fortunate today to be joined by uh, Dr. Tom Clonan, uh, soldier, journalist, equality campaigner, disability campaigner and father. Uh, Tom, you're very welcome. Thanks very much. Uh, pleasure to meet you both. Um, we're, we're, nervous now. No, absolutely nothing to be nervous about here at all. Uh, we're fairly yeah. harmless, really. Aren't we, Dan? Absolutely. Don't worry. You'll be fine. So, Tom, if I could take you back to 2016, uh, you were quoted in the Irish Independent as saying, your son Owen is routinely and grotesquely discriminated against on a daily basis. I want to put a stop to that. So now we're in 2021 was five years later. Has anything changed? I, I'd like to say yes. Um, you know, that things have improved. Uh, so to try and be positive, I suppose the, the one uh, important thing that's happened since 2016 is that Ireland has finally ratified the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with uh, Disabilities. So that's a good thing. But unfortunately, the government didn't ratify the whole piece. So the reporting protocol isn't in place and it should be so the government can't be held accountable by the United Nations they can't come here and audit uh, but it was a step in, in the right direction other positive things since 2016 is that we had for the first time Minister of State with responsibility for 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 disabilities in Finian McGrath and that has continued we now have Anne Rabbit so they're the positive things on the negative side in our lived experience things haven't changed. Um, and I would say things have, have continued to be grim um, from the point of view of, of, of a person like my son, Owen. Um, now, I, I can only comment on our, our experience, but um, so, for example, I, I talked about the routine and cruel discrimination against him every day. So, for example, in, in 2021, apart from the COVID crisis we're in, Ireland is considered to be the, one of the worst countries in the European Union to have a disability on every measurement, from social isolation to poverty to lack of therapies, which in turn lead to suboptimal outcomes for people. Very long waiting lists for simple procedures like, you know, spinal surgery for scoliosis. And as, as a result of that, we, we have a, a community of, of people with disabilities and carers who experience poverty, uh, unhappiness. It's just, and it, it's it's unnecessary and it's cruel. So the cruel stuff, like, I, you know, Owen is a wheelchair user. He can't, in the 21st century, use the dart to go into town um, without having to call, you know, Pierce Station 24 hours in advance to get permission to have somebody in the station to be there with the ramp. And don't get me wrong, the staff are lovely. This is just a company policy to save money they don't have personnel in the in the stations the lifts are constantly broken up and down the dart uh, network and my my good friend bernard mulvaney uh, works on that access for all his campaign um he has difficulty accessing the curriculum at school for his leaving search um large print books uh daisy readers aren't always available even for very popular texts i was told by the National Reproduction Centre that um, uh, Romeo and Juliet was a rare antique text and couldn't be obtained. <laughs> it's on the, it's on right. the junior third. 
and it's on the it's on O levels. It's one of the most popular. <laughs> and you know, I was able to tell them I, I can go on Amazon now and I can I can buy it within twelve seconds. And see, you're constantly faced with these battles over nothing, with the Department of Education and Skills, the Department of Health and Children, the Department of Social Protection, and um, with the HSE any revenue commissioners you just and like having a disability just trying to get into your clothes and out the door first thing in the morning is mm -hmm. a miracle of itself but then have to fight all this unnecessary crap day in day out so my my point back in 2016 and my point today is if you were denied access to the curriculum or to public transport on the basis of your sexual orientation on the basis of your ethnicity on the basis of your religious beliefs, there would quite rightly be uh, an absolute uproar in the country. And you'd, every, you'd have everybody from, you know, everybody would be marching in protest. And that's right and correct, and that's as it should be. But when it comes to our brothers and sisters who are different by way of a so-called disability, um, nobody, it's just kind of like, boof, you know, people don't seem to care. And individually Irish people are great but institutions organizations and society is is very is very poorly disposed towards people with disabilities and and it has radicalized me as a as a parent as a, like I'm a retired army officer I, I should be one of the most conservative people in the country <laughs> but I'm not I'm, I'm hopping mad because this thing is just it's not good enough and what I've been trying to do is argue for a, a very radical almost like the yes equality campaign for for marriage equality or for women's reproductive rights i would like to see a really vocal radical not polite because that doesn't hasn't been working for us as a community and um, protest movement to highlight the fundamental human rights of all of our fellow citizens who just happen to be different by way of some some additional need and and i really do think that disabled is a verb. It's not a noun. My son isn't disabled. He's just—he's different. He yeah. identified Absolutely. as disabled, but he is disabled by our society. And if I could guess, you know, I, I know one of the parents contacted me. Um, Catherine Zapone appointed a national rapporteur for the LGBTIQ um, youth for young people. Brilliant. Una Malali doing a great job in that role. And she approached Catherine Zapone and said, can you appoint a national rapporteur for young people with disabilities? And she said, that's a health matter. You need to talk to the HSE about that. It's not a health Seriously? This is ridiculous. a fundamental human rights issue. And uh, so that that's kind of... I'd, so, you know, but things have improved in some to some extent. I think there's more listening here for us now. When... I started making inquiries about Owen back in around about 20, 2011, 2012, about a particular issue. I, I Unfortunately, I had to speak to the then Minister for Health, uh, Leo Varadkar. Now, I, I was unable to get him directly. I got his advisors and his private secretary. And let me tell you, I grew up in Finglas and I was in the army for 11 years. I know what rough is. These people were dog rough. They were hostile. They were gratuitously offensive. And they, they signaled very clearly that they found any inquiries about my son's disability um, to be a nuisance. And in fact, one of them said repeatedly to me, 
oh, so you want me to do you a favor? You want me to do you a favor? Do you want to jump the list? Do you want to jump the list? Repeat, and I actually had to stop him and say, listen, I'm a parent of a sick child. Why are you speaking to me like this? And his response to me was, oh, so we're best pals now, are we? We're best pals. This is a highly paid government advisor advising the Minister for Health. So I'm there listening to this going, I couldn't believe my ears. And actually, I was so upset by it and angered by it that I, 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 I kept all of the emails and email correspondence just so that every now and again I'd look back at it just to, be, to, to, to remind myself that this wasn't a dream or a nightmare. This is the attitude yeah. at the very, very highest levels. And these are people whose job it is to look after us, their public servants, to serve us and to serve our interests. <clears throat> you know, the most vulnerable people in society. Now I'd have to say, <clears throat> so in one way that things have improved, now when I make inquiries, at least they're polite to you. Now, you still <laughs> you still get nothing, or very well, you, I wouldn't say you get nothing. You, you still get very little or you get the runaround. But at least now in 2021, they've stopped being rude and they're now being a, a little more polite. There seems to be more of a, a kind of a growing understanding amongst politicians that uh, in the same way you can't be overtly racist or in the same way that you can't be overtly sexist, they're beginning to start to understand, oh, we, we have to be kind of, uh, you know, politically correct around um, disability. And, I, 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 and cynical and all as I am about that, that is a positive move. It's a step in the right direction. But they need to put their money where their mouth is now and, you know, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Well, just on I, that, I just, sorry, just to jump in, Dan, yeah. if, you're, if you're starting something up, I'm in. Absolutely. Uh, you know, no, I mean, I don't have necessarily have any skin in this game myself personally. Um, but yeah, I, this is this is something I would love to get involved in if, if you're going to put my name in a hat and I'll give you anything yeah. I can. Well, well so I've, I've spoken to some of the people that were involved in the Repeal the Eighth and the Yes Equality Camp and say, how did you do it? So I know that the LGBTIQ community they mobilised, uh, for want of a better expression, they mobilised the straight community um, to get that marriage equality referendum over the line. And that was great because the Irish people are good when it comes to human rights. They Irish people didn't vote for uh, marriage equality because they felt sorry for the LGBTQI community or that they were doing them a favour or they did it because it was, they, it was the right thing to do. And I think we can get... So in parallel with that one, in, in this area of disability, for me as a, as a newcomer, I, I only know about disability because of my son. It's my only experience of it. To me, it's very fragmented. It's all broken up into kind of uh, competing concerns. So you have intellectual disability with Inclusion Ireland, who are brilliant. You've got physical disability with uh, the Disability Foundation of Ireland or Federation of DFI. They're great. But they're not all on the one page. And so I've been saying to them, look, we need to, in the same way that the LGBTQI community mobilised the straight community, we as a community need to mobilise the so-called able community. Because it struck me, Dara, when you said you've no skin in the game. You actually do. Because there will come a day, you know, our age group are ex yeah. expected to live till we're 100. Yeah. Now, do you want to be in a nursing home when you're in your 100s? Or do you want to live at home and be able to get on and off the dart because they have proper ramps and like the things that. Oh, and I, I know, I know where I'm going to end up. My, my daughter's already told me where she's going to put me. 
Um, <laughs> you know, and because I, I, I said, listen, you have to go off and yeah. work really hard and be yeah. able to afford a nursing home because if you don't, I'm going to sit in your house and I'm yeah. just going to, I'm going to have a poo. And and I'm just going to sit in it for two home. hours I, I and then I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> And I'm hoping to do the same thing myself. I'm going to persecute Owen. He's looking after me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I'm, what I'm, so what I, I'm trying to get a radical movement. And I'm, I'm thinking, how do I do it? Now, so one idea I had that came to me out of left field was, I was very struck when Leo Varadkar, as Taoiseach, went to Northern Ireland and he marched in the Pride Parade in Belfast. Now, I don't like... Leo's politics because he's for me he's too conservative he's too right wing but I was so proud to be Irish that day to see our Taoiseach march in in a pride parade and I'm just wondering is that something that we could do in Dublin make it as big as the St. Patrick's Day Festival to have a day where we celebrate difference amongst our disabled you know so-called disabled brothers and sisters where we could celebrate all of our community in in all of its uh, amazing variety people who are wheelchair users uh, people who are on the autism spectrum if we all got out there and brought the city to a halt for a day every year and had a, a big celebration like the saint patrick's day festival and if we could get apple who have all that money in an escrow account which the irish government hold in front of them, get them to make ireland the most so-called disability friendly country in the world so that we could go from being the worst country in Europe to having a disability to maybe have being the best country in Europe to have a disability. Where there's a will, there's a way. Do you remember when the Pope came? They they set up uh, bus parking areas all along the Longmire mm. Road and around the Red Cow. That's I mean, this would be a big national mm. effort to celebrate, and we could, we could make it happen. And I think it would just change the language and the vocabulary around disability, so that we we would no longer be seen as people with medical issues who are at the end of a long waiting list to actually seeing us as citizens with fundamental human rights. You know, to get everybody together in the one spot, yeah, that's going to be tough. I, I think there's a, because there's, I did my, my thesis on the representation of disability in the media, and what I found was that there's two different models of disability. There's the social model and there's the medical model. And the medical model is kind of what you were mentioning there, Tom, which mm -hmm. was it's very much these people have medical conditions and they need care and they need help and all that kind of thing. And it's very much, oh, poor you, are you great? I think, you know, uh, and I think it, it, it's the importance of moving it towards the social model and kind of going, like you said, like, people with disability are people but like first and foremost before anything else and they're people with goals they're people with aspirations they're people who want to who want to make a difference in the world um and i think it's interesting what you said earlier on like the phrase i like to use is i'm not disabled i'm differently abled mm -hmm. that's the phrase that i like to use. i just don't like disabled in general like there's people that say, you know, own your disability. I understand that, and that's part of the. But why does it have to be disability? Why does there have to be like a negative connotation towards it? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I just thought it was interesting that because you were saying earlier on about um, the kind of combative almost nature of, of politicians when when you when you when you've spoken to them about this. And I noticed you tweeted this week saying, I'm listening to my son in his room floundering in virtual classes and saying, despite valiant efforts, valiant efforts of wonderful teachers, I do not blame Norma Foley or the Chief of Madigan for the crisis, nor do I blame the uh, unions, I blame the COVID-19 virus. Now, with that being said, if we look at Northern Ireland and say that schools for people with additional needs are open, surely people in positions of power like this have the ability to do that down here. So surely, okay, the full level of blame isn't with them, but there is, uh, I just wanted to get your get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose I was trying to shame them. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because, you know, look, when, when we had a banking crisis, the government within 24 hours was able to bail those people out with our money to the tune of whatever it was, 64 billion. They were able to do that pretty much overnight because the political will existed. And really what I was trying to say to the unions and to Norma Foley and to Josefa Madigan is, would you ever put your heads together? and open up the facilities. Because quite rightly, as you say, they're open in Northern Ireland. And in fact, it's like I was saying earlier, Ireland being the worst place in Europe to have a disability. We're outliers. We're the only country in the developed world that has closed down its services and supports for people with disabilities and special needs um, because of COVID. They haven't done that in other countries because they recognize that they're a vulnerable group who, who need to be supported. But in Ireland, again, because of the charity model and because of the, well, poor you and aren't you great, they, they've, they've, they've put the pressure back on onto carers and, and, and people in our community, people with disabilities. And again, as is always the case, we find ourselves paddy last, bottom of the queue. But at least there's a national conversation. And, you know, I'm delighted to see somebody like Adam Harris using his public profile as Simon Harris's brother and is, you know, he, he gets traction. He's in there. He's saying what needs to be said. You know, we, we, we just need more and more of this because I know that organizations like uh, Disability Foundation Ireland and Inclusion Ireland, they, they have to work very carefully with politicians. You know, they have to negotiate over the years for small little improvements. They can't upset their, 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 their hands are tied behind their back because they're, they're negotiating with the people who provide their funding. Whereas somebody like me, who doesn't know them anything, I can get out there and shout and roar and just make it less acceptable. Like I, I would hope that today, a private secretary to a, a minister for health wouldn't speak to, uh, to, to a parent or a, a carer like me or, or to somebody like you, Daniel, or or to you, you know, that, that they wouldn't feel that they could speak to you like that because you are, you know, like somebody who was sent to a mother and baby home, you know, a charity case, someone who's less, yeah. someone who doesn't have the same human rights or the same status as a, as a different type of citizen. And uh, I have to say, one of the other positive things that happened this year was in 2020, despite COVID and everything, Owen turned 18 
and he was able to vote for the first time in the general election. And he did not, <laughs> he voted. He voted for the people he felt gave, cared about him and his concerns. And, uh, you know, that was, that was a great moment for him to get in and uh, exercise his, his, his civic rights. So, you know, that's kind of what I'm hoping to do. And I, and I hear what you're saying, Dara, about how difficult it might be to have something like a, you know, a St. Patrick's Day festival where we celebrate our difference. But it was just an idea. And like when you said at the outset, just tell me what it is and I'm in, you know, we, we will, I will, we will eventually, we now we'll use the opportunity of lockdown to think about this. Um, but if anybody out there, you know, has an idea about around something which we can mobilize, then, you know, we, I'd love to hear from them and see if it's something we can get working on. Because we need, we need to change things. We have to go from being the worst place to being, and I think we could easily be the best place in the world to have a disability. Why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think you're it, you're it though, Tom. Come on, let's go. We're, we're right behind you here. You know, yeah, we'll, just, we'll, we'll, follow, we'll, we'll follow you into battle. But it's just, I, I, don't, want, I don't want to parade. It's about, it's about having a vision. Yeah, but I don't want to parade. No parades, please. You know, you. because, well, no, in fairness, because I just remember, because obviously I am from the country and I'm, I'm from a small town. And I just remember one year, uh, St. Patrick's Day parade, did you mention it? It was kind of like, you know, the usual in, in the country. It's uh, Army Standard or, or Flag Bearers, generally the FCA or uh, PDF, or sorry, whatever they call these days, RDF. Uh, you know, Fire Brigade uh, has to have to rush off, guard a car, and then there's going to be a couple of tractors, cement lorry, um, uh, farmer, butcher sort of type thing. But one year, actually, the elderly from the uh, old folks home marched in it. I just thought it was, it was the oddest thing. I, I would hate for that to be a parade of people with disabilities, though. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not thinking about it in those times. That's I'm OK. Thinking. That's fine. I'm still in. Remember uh, Riverdance? Riverdance became an, an international cultural phenomenon that got the attention and the imagination of the world. And that's what I what, what I'd like. And I I remember the energy around the Special Olympics when Ireland was the host country. Savage. But I'd, I'd love to have some of that energy every year, every year, to remind Irish people, like Christmas, like Easter, that this is the most important. This is the the most important community of citizens in our society. We, we need to go from being at the bottom to being at the top. And that's the vision. How we get there, <laughs> I hear you. You know, should we be marching in? In yeah, maybe you're right. But uh, it's just, I've been in this space now for the last sixteen years, and I'm. I, I just don't know why Irish people can do the right thing as they should for on the grounds of ethnicity, for our brothers and sisters in the traveling community, for Muslims, for all of those things, sexual orientation, people get it and they understand it and they get behind, mobilise the, the rights. What I'm trying to figure out is how can we get everybody to get behind our most important community, our community of people who are abled differently, as, as you said, Daniel. That's the, that's the yeah. kind of puzzle. Oh, we'll, we'll go to the Phoenix Park. So we'll, we'll start in the Phoenix Park and we'll have a concert. <laughs> I think that's a good place to start. I like that. A concert? It might be better, yeah. I like that. Yeah. No, I, I think so. No, I think okay, that's that, that's our that's our starter for ten, and um, we can get Michael D involved as well because it's it's his it's his front garden we'll be in, 
and uh, he can come out with his one remaining dog. Mm. And, you know, uh, right, okay, I'm going to make a note of that. And uh, Dan, carry on. I was going to make some notes to myself over here, okay? Tom, you're completely right about having this kind of event that makes people go, okay, this is um, people with different abilities. This is what we're all about. But I think it's something that myself and Dara have mentioned a number of times before. It's, you've got like, I don't know, days like International Day of People with Disabilities and things like that, but it's a day. Whereas the thing the thing about uh, people with disabilities, as you're well aware of, is that it, it happens on a, like it doesn't just, it doesn't just arrive and, and, and go away and, and disappear kind of thing. So um, I think, for me personally, I've, I've always been of the opinion of you kind of start small and then kind of get like people, it's all kind of about like changing people's attitudes and kind of going, like I, I suppose the example that I always use is like kids that you see in the shop, there's like two different types of parents. There's either one that's like, allows them being inquisitive and then there's the other type parent that says you're in their way type thing and I think it's it's all about and I think there is an element of that in in what you're saying is it's increasing the visibility of it absolutely 100%. So Tom you're you're um you're on the board of directors or you're the chair of the board of directors for the Irish Dogs for Disabled. Yeah, I, I listened to your, your docs on one, actually. It was one of the things when I was back in college a couple of years ago. Actually, it was great. Very well done. It was a great documentary, actually. Um, uh, Owen is a, Owen's a user, isn't he? Um, is it Duke he still has? Or Yeah, so so uh, Owen has Duke. He's a golden retriever. And in 2020, during COVID, Duke retired. And, and so now he, we were very, very lucky. And we have Duke's successor is Leahy. So he's a... Another golden retriever, and he's he's. They're both actually downstairs now, and uh, they're they, they've been a very positive um, impact on our lives, and has been great great for Owen, um, for his self esteem and for his emotional well being, and for just being able to get out and about. And it's great uh, to help Owen to socialize and you know to have conversations with people, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been a very very positive experience, and. Um, so when when we were on the waiting list, so we were we were waiting for about two years before we got a consultation for Owen to get a dog, and uh, the the CEO of the charity um, kind of got talking to me and said, well, "You might be useful to us." There's a man with a voice. <laughs> yeah. So so and and it's been a really great experience. Just there's a there's a lovely community of people. So the. Jenny Dowler is the CEO of Dogs for the Disabled. We get no money from the state whatsoever. Everything is from voluntary contributions from our fundraisers and from um, a lot. We, we've actually a lot of corporate sponsorship from some of the big US multinationals like Facebook and Google. And they've been very good in terms of sponsoring us and supporting us. And we have our breeding dogs. Um, the, the breeding dogs are in the Docus, the women's prison in Mountjoy Prison. That, that's an amazing experience. I think we're the only country in the European Union that has dogs in the prisons like that. It's very good for the prisoners. Then the young dogs go to Shelton Abbey after they're weaned and they, 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 they're socialised in Shelton Abbey by prisoners who are coming to the end of their sentences. 
it, it has reduced the amount of violence in that prison hugely. It's just really, really positive. And then, uh, you know, the dogs are matched with individual uh, clients to their specific needs. And we do a year's training with each dog specific to a client. And then they help them out. So some of them are stability dogs. Some of them are, um, you, you know, they do other tasks. Like, so Owen, Owen Duke and Leahy do diff different types of tasks for Owen. Like they'll open doors or pick things up and put them on his wheelchair if he drops them. Um, and they're just amazing. Amazing to work with. And the people and the animals, it's just really positive. That's, I, I, I hadn't realised the whole prison element of that story. Definitely a story there to be told, Tom. In itself, yeah, uh, no, yeah, yeah. All, all our, our, all our dogs come uh, from system. <laughs> I know it's, it's and amazing, and right? it, yeah. And it's great, it's great for the prisoners because you know, particularly prisoners coming to the end of their sentences, you know, they're doing something positive, pro social, and there's something about bonding with the dogs, the animals, it's a sentient relationship, and and they have been really, really good, they've been really, really good with, with the dogs. And, and I'm hoping it has been good for them that they've gotten something out of it as well. But the, the, the governor of Shelton Abbey tells us that it, it, it is very, very good for the, for the mental health, the well-being and the development of, of prisoners. And it's very good for their, for their rehabilitation and to help prepare them to go back into society and play a role as, as you know, constructive, participative citizens. That's the story, Tom, that needs to be told. Uh... Yeah, no, it's it's a great it's a great initiative, and the prison service have been great, been very supportive of us. As as a, you know, it's look like I said to you earlier, like Irish people are great individually. It's just our institutions, our government departments need to kind of uh, just take on board that spirit of supporting people with disabilities, vulnerable citizens. You know, don't make it a battle. Like I said to you, every week I'm in a fight, and I'm sure it's the same with you, Daniel. Yeah. It, fight about something you know you discover that your your travel card has been revoked or you get a letter saying that your medical card has been revoked you've got like what your yeah. you know your disability allowance is something wrong and you're on the phone and you're trying to get people every week and it instead of fighting I'd, I'd love to see a bit of support tom we're coming very close towards the end of our time um i i am uh, uh, genuinely delighted that you joined us um yeah, it, it's been very insightful. I think you know, you've got something there uh, where it uh, with getting everybody together. I think um, uh, yeah, 100%. You know, I, I'm going to be in touch with you at, at some stage in the future. I know um, to get involved in this and 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 certainly help you out. I know Dan will too. Yeah, um, we were I was, working, I was going to pitch an idea to you, um, but I don't think we have time. Uh, I'm going to get it in really, really quickly. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a game show. It's called I'm More Important Than You. Um, it's um, but no, it's got to do with COVID, and you know, everyone's kind of going, Our group is more important. Oh, yeah, when it comes I to know. getting the injection. So, mm. I mean, you being a soldier, you'd know kind of availability. Uh, god, we're running out of time quick, yeah. So, we're going to get all the different groups, we're going to put them into the Glen of Amal and let them fight it out. And <laughs> whoever wins, then their group gets to get. Um, do you think, do you think the army lets? That's like Hunger Games. I like that. Yeah, yeah, very much. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, Hunger Games for the 21st century. Yeah. Next. Well, sponsored by AstraZeneca. <laughs> <laughs> right, listen, before we, get, before we get cut off, Tom, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you very, very much. Thanks, Amy. This has been episode 45 of Dan and Dara Doability. I have been Dara McNicholas. I'm Dan Airy. I'm a very soon.